Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad to have you join us um, for this episode as part of our series on abuses. Um, We are so excited to have a friend of ours come on and share some of her experience, some of her heart and her growth in this area. And we're just, we're, we're really hopeful that this episode will be um, healing to you and will be really meaningful on your own journey. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Abby is passionate about creating opportunities for people to experience the joy and compassionate love of the Father. She has 12 years of ministry experience, including worship leading, youth ministry, church administration, in which she has traveled both nationally and internationally to lead worship, speak, and encourage the global community through her writing, music, and in-person and online groups. She's the founder of Abba's Joy, which includes a community online platform where she shares blog posts, short encouragements, and other resources. Ultimately, though, her desire is to create a space where people will feel at home and can relax into the simple fact that God rejoices over us because we are the Father's joy. Wow, she's busy. (laughs) (laughs) She is passionate about people, and it's amazing just made me want to like take a breath. So Mm. welcome, Abby. We're so thrilled to have you here with us. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Well, we just, it's an honor to jump into your world a little bit across the ocean as we share. So we'd love to just hear from you um, on, on sharing some of your story with us and kind of what, what we're jumping into in this conversation today. Yeah. So um, firstly, I just wanted to say that my heart in sharing isn't to tear down a specific denomination or church or leader. Um, So I'm going to be keeping places and names out of the conversation. Um, However, my hope in sharing my testimony is to create a place for those who have gone through similar experiences to know that they aren't alone and to share about where I am in my healing journey. Mm. Um, So a little bit about me, I grew up as a PK. So I have been around various leaders and ministries and people (laughs) for as long as I can remember. Um, I have experienced both the healing and the hurtful parts of ministry um, in a variety of ways my personal experiences, uh, my parents' experiences, and also others who have trusted me with their stories. Mm. Um, There were a few things that stood out to me just from my own personal experience. I know that we're talking about mistreatments or abuses in the setting of uh, ministry and church. And so um, again, just as I share these things, it's from a heart of, I want to see the bride be able to walk into the fullness of who she was created to be, uh, in health and in healing. And so as I share these things, um, yeah, just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, first of all, I had a scenario where I had to step out of a training process because the things that were being asked of me by the leader didn't align with what I believed that the Lord was asking of me. When I shared with the leader as respectfully as I could about my lack of peace, the guidance that I was given was that discernment isn't just individual, but is done in community as well. 
And from one perspective, I was like, yeah, that's really, that's good. I love community. I love getting counsel from others. Um, however, in that moment, it just felt like it um, almost diminished how I hear the Lord. And uh, yeah, so I tried talking to multiple levels of leadership about the concern. And I just felt like it was generally dismissed or was returned with the encouragement to just do what was being asked of me, despite my concern. And so mm. in this context, I just didn't feel like I was really welcome to even participate in those conversational settings uh, where it was encouraged not to just have these, you know, conversations with the Lord individually, but also have them in group settings. Um, I just didn't really feel like I had access to those groups where those conversations would be made. And then as I shared, just, you know, hearing, hearing the Lord personally is something that, you know, I have been really intentional about creating space for and just learning how to hear his voice. And so, yeah, it just, it felt like there wasn't enough of a pause created or even a question of why I was feeling concern, um, given the concern that I had expressed to the leader. So ultimately the way that that ended was I was given a choice to either follow through with what was asked of me or to step out of the process that I was in altogether. Mm -hmm. um, when I was asked this, I, uh, had a huge decision to make because I had been a part of this process for seven years. I had, you know, committed that many years to it. I had committed finances to it because there were some classes that I was taking along with the program and um, just various different levels of things that I had really committed to over the last seven years. And so this wasn't just a choice of just do it or don't do it. You know, this was like my life for the last seven years flashing before my eyes and just trying to recognize this moment right now changes my trajectory forward. Um, not only could it possibly cause there to be maybe a misunderstanding of my character, you know, any kind of misjudgment of, well, you said no. So, you know, this is on you fully kind of thing, but just generally um, there was just a lot of dynamics and emotions that went into that decision. Um, at the end of the day, I realized that it wasn't wrong or inappropriate for my leader to ask of me what they did. Um, however, at the same time, when I did vocalize my lack of peace, there wasn't that pause to understand anything further. And so if uh, I can just jump in, Abby, that I think yeah. is where the harm came in, right? The fact that you were sensing you had a lack of, of, of comfort, of safety, of peace. And you even brought that into your awareness, awareness, right? Through your voice, you shared that with, with people that should have been trustworthy to share that with, right? Valuing that for you, just like they would value that for them. And so I think, you know, it's, it, Trauma is something that we, we have these ideas of what that can be like. It's these big, big things, but trauma is, is the people that are supposed to love and protect you not doing so, and actually even causing harm and not doing so. And so our bodies know they're way more, uh, 
aware of these dynamics than our mind cognitively is, you know, Mm -hmm. and we, we can sense it and we can, we experience it as, wow, this didn't feel right. This didn't feel supportive or loving. And yet we don't know what to do with it because it's a person or people that by what they've said, they have our best interests at heart. And so our mind gets stuck in this like pinball place of, okay, well, I'm sensing from God myself for me that this is not okay. But here's this person in my life that I've allowed to be, you know, in leadership over me. So just to point out, like, of course, that creates such a heart and a confusion because of those really unique dynamics. On top of that, what I'm hearing is the abuse of power. Like they're over their leadership and you are trying to trust and submit to them. But what they're telling you to do is disconnect from yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't trust yourself. You don't know best. Uh, that gut mm-hmm. experience is wrong. Uh, and so what they're asking you is saying, submit all of your trust to us, abandon yourself, abandon your needs and do what we tell you to do. And that is so harmful. Like Lauren was saying, when we trust somebody to have the best interests and they take that power and position and use it not for your best, but for their best, it's so damaging. Our bodies feel it because our bodies know, like we talk a, uh, a lot about our bodies and our stories and we haven't talked about this so much, but like neuroception, like our bodies, our brains see the environment and says, is this safe? And we don't always have language mm-hmm. of saying, okay, this, when this happened, this said, blah, 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 that wasn't safe. It's like, not safe, not sure why. And that's where mm-hmm. gaslighting happens. What did I do wrong? Uh, I, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Oh, well, you know, your heart is deceitful above all things. <laughs> no, you can't <laughs> trust your feelings. You got to trust the Holy Spirit. And God has put, you have to submit to the authority that's been put over you because it's God. And it's like, oh, okay. So I, and slowly you just start losing yourself. You start not trusting yourself. You start losing your own ability to hear the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I just, maybe, maybe I am sinful. Like when we get in that ministry, there's so much of like, I want to be the, I want to be submitted to God, I want to be obedient. And it and when there's not trustworthy people leading you, you so lose yourself. And that's why I just hear that struggle in your what you're just sharing is like I have this internal struggle of I feel like I this is true to myself, but I'm being told that it's prideful or arrogant. And there's no way you could know on your own what five other people in leadership quote unquote, haven't discerned. Yeah. I've actually never heard that piece of discernment happens in community. I feel like, wow, that, that is an impressive, um, twist of, of truth and abuse of power, right? Like you can't be right. Essentially. Yeah. It it could be used misused that way of like discernment's used in community. So that means if anything you're saying is up against what the community is saying, then you're just wrong. wrong. And so yeah, that was actually painful. one of the things that I had to kind of put a big question mark on because 
you know, there is, there are the verses that talk about going to the council of many and, you know, getting that insight. But at the same time, um, in the context, I had to definitely question like, okay, what's the heart behind this? That's mm-hmm. one of the things that actually growing up, uh, my dad really, really instilled into us as kids is just the heart response is so important in every aspect of everything that we do always. Beautiful. Um, if you have a good heart response in something, even if it's not uh, what maybe a leader would want you to do or a leader would want you to say, where's your heart? What's your heart response in that? Um, and then on the, on the other side, the same thing, say that you're doing something that would seem completely normal and not out of the ordinary, not rebellious, not anything, but your heart isn't in the right place. Again, Mm. where's your heart response? And so at Mm. the end of the day, you know, it always goes back to the heart response. And so in that question specifically, it's hard because you have to kind of navigate what was the intention behind that statement was the intention as a dig of like, no, your, your, uh, discernment doesn't count. Or was it more from the perspective of listen to the counsel of many, you know, or mm-hmm. was it a little bit of both? And mm-hmm. so even in that, I know that um, in my process and in, in my healing journey, I have had to just take a step back and say, you know what, some things, Lord, I won't necessarily understand because I don't know. I don't know what that person necessarily meant by that. And so I've had to kind of just add that into my healing process mm-hmm. of recognizing no matter what their heart response is, I know how I can handle my heart response mm-hmm. in response to what they have done or said mm-hmm. or whatever they're asking of me or mm-hmm. whatnot. So, yep. yeah. yeah. So at that point, you decided to stop that, the process, right? I did. Yeah. At that point, um, I chose to step out of the process. And to this day, I say I surrendered the process because it's not one that I wanted to end. Yeah. Uh, it's one I wanted to continue. And I know that um, even in that specific scenario, I had asked the leader, hey, are there ways that you know we can maybe meet in the middle and do mm-hmm. still accomplish the goal that you're wanting from me, but also um, maybe in an area that the Lord is speaking to my heart that I really believe firmly, this is what God is asking of me. And there just wasn't any wiggle room there. And so unfortunately that's the point where I had to take a step back because at that point it was a decision of, um, do I obey God or do I obey my leader? And at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. what's going to be the, what's the fruit of whatever decision I make. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I stepped out of the process at that point. Um, and really grieved stepping out yeah. uh, for a long time, questioned if I ha- should have done it differently, questioned, was I the one, was I just butting against authority, wow. questioned so many things about that, that decision. But I knew without a shadow of, the, of a doubt that I, my voice could be trusted, that yes. the Lord yeah. in me was a loud enough voice to help me maintain what I needed to maintain in that moment to do the action that I did, which was to step out. And on top of that, like, even when we make mistakes, God's not like, oh, sorry, Abby. I, I know you were trying to be obedient to me and your heart was good, but you were wrong. And I'm going to leave you now. Like God doesn't do that. Right. He's, He's like, okay. Like there's, like we talk about free will so much, but then we like free will, as long as it's controlled will, <laughs> and, but, right. and it, it, but God wants 
every good gift is from the father. Like when you ask for a fish, is he going to give you a snake? Um, like when, if you're pursuing something that is your desire and you're trying to do it obedient to him with a good heart, with a good motivations, he's going to be like, absolutely, Abby. And he won't say, oh, well, you misunderstood him. He's going to be like, yeah, that, that's, that's where you need to find safety. That's where you, you need to go. You know what? Let's go, honey. Let's go, daughter. Yeah. We, we are going in that direction. And I am in 100% support of it. And so yeah. I just, I think that's so important that as you're, those questions, one of one, those questions come up from spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. The fact that we question ourselves is, is because we've been abused. And secondly, just a reminder to, to our listeners, like even when those questions come up, that's not God making you, because God ultimately says, absolutely, let me support your heart and your desires. Mm-hmm. And even because he knows how hard it was for you, he knows it wasn't easy. He knows the, the pain, the struggle, the anguish that you went through. And he's not, he's not there to make you feel worse about it. He's there to like a good father, which is hard for some of us to imagine. Like, what does a good father look like? Mm-hmm. But he's a perfect father. And so he does it perfectly that supporting so good that you are, I just hear such strength also in you as you are able to give voice and have a voice in a place of confusion, abuse, manipulation, and you're able to have clarity of, nope, this is what's best for me. So I just mm-hmm. want to also speak to that in Abby, that power, that strength, mm-hmm. even in the midst of gaslighting confusion, you took care of Abby well. And that's, just, that's mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I think that was, uh, the beginning of my, the beginning of my healing journey was the first time I said, no, even before I was out of that process, even before I had time to grieve, that was the beginning of my healing journey because I was learning how to take care of myself when I didn't know that I would need to, you know, in a, in a setting where I thought that I was taken care of, Mm -hmm. I learned how to take care of myself and do it in a way that to the best of my ability honored them and honored the Lord and honored my experience too. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for, for that encouragement. And I just, I know like looking back at that Abby, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the Abby who was not even knowing what grief would look like. Yeah. Um, I look back at that and I see that as the beginning of, of healing. Mm. Wow. So another point that uh, just was part of my personal experience is, uh, especially with the denomination that I was a part of, there was such an emphasis on loyalty to the denominational family. And I think from one perspective, that can be good. It can be healthy. It can be great. Community is good. But at specific points, it felt as if, uh, if I did anything outside of the specific denomination, that I was breaking the pattern of connectedness to the family. There was a lot of just pressure that I think maybe even mistakenly, I don't know, <laughs> came with just some comments that were made and some discussions that were had. So, so for example, like if I visited a conference or a church service outside of the denomination, or even if I took like a personal missions trip that wasn't connected to any ministry in the denomination, uh, there were moments where comments would be made that were clearly pointing to the ones who had done that. 
And it was just clear, it made it really clear that the resources within the denomination would be enough of a community and a family. And so that for me was definitely, I think a challenging one to even recognize until I was out of that setting, just because when you're a part of family, you recognize it as family. And so I think, you know, there are times where, you know, if you're raised up in something that's dysfunctional, for example, you don't necessarily recognize that it's dysfunctional. And so it took, yeah. And so it took me kind of stepping out of that to even see the dysfunction that was a part of that, because from one perspective, family is good. Like I said, community is good. Um, However, in moments where it is uh, overemphasized and where you're almost shamed for doing things outside of the denomination, uh, I just found that that's where it became really unhealthy, specifically for me and my, my story. You know, instead of being championed for the things that I was attempting and going after and the dreams that I was pursuing, instead it felt almost like, um, even though they didn't say this, they, it felt like they were trying to kind of rein me in and just say, well, Hey, you should connect to our missions team. You should connect to all of this. So that was another aspect. And then just a final one that I have here also. So I have been in a few different situations where there was a pressure to put on or sorry, there was a pressure put on confessing one to another. So obviously in the Bible, it talks about confessing one to another, but I've just been in scenarios where I didn't feel comfortable to share, but because of the setting or the leadership that I was with and the questions that were asked, I felt like I had to share. And if I shared a a certain amount, maybe they would ask another follow-up question to ask for more details. And I felt like I had to share it because otherwise it seemed like I was maybe lying to them. (laughs) Like if I didn't share the full truth and nothing but the truth, then I was the one at fault for not sharing. And so there were a couple of times where, you know, I walked away from that and instead of feeling free and instead of feeling like, oh, I just confessed one to another, this is great. I just felt so much regret and shame and like it had the complete opposite effect on me. And so I had to then heal through that. Like a moment of healing became a moment of trauma. (laughs) And so I had to navigate, like, how do I, how do I process this kind of healing and how do I even talk to people about this? And, you know, cause I don't want to contradict what we're supposed to do, you know, like, yeah another point, I guess. So I had to learn that there is a time and a place for everything. And at the end of the day, we get to choose who we confess to. Mm. (laughs) Um, We don't have to confess to every believer that asks. And it's okay to share with people that have created that safe place and have created a place for open vulnerability. So Mm. those were, yeah, a few of the things that I just wanted to to bring up. (laughs) As you were saying that, like, guys should, as I'm going through like understanding like attachment and our neuroscience and this way God created us, I'm he's giving me a new perspective of the Bible. And as you're talking, it reminds me of the verse, I think it's in Ephesians, um, but it's like do not be anxious about anything and everything through prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace of passes all understanding will guide your heart and mind. And that's a lot of like cultural language and has been misused at times. Misused at times, but as but mm-hmm. I think it's a picture of what you're you're saying saying, when you're anxious, here, come, come talk to me about it. It's an invitation. It's not tell me what's wrong with you. (laughs) 
and it's also the picture of when you're anxious and you go to talk to somebody that's safe, when there's an invitation of safety, the following experience is going to be a peace that passes all understanding. Yes. Joy, if, freedom. Yes. And that's what he's yes. talking about. Is like, he's inviting us to be in community and not be alone in our, our mess and mm -hmm. our hurts. Mm -hmm. Not so that people can lord it over you and judge you and condemn you and keep you quote unquote accountable. It's so you can be loved in the midst of brokenness. So you can be seen in the midst of hurts. Because when that happens, well, mm. we have this peace that passes all understanding. It was like, oh, I'm so loved. I'm so, this is good. And it's incredibly healing. Incredibly healing. But when we leave a situation, it's like, oh, I feel like, uh, I feel like disgusting. I feel hurt. I feel scared. I feel uncomfortable. Because again, our body, God has created our bodies in such a amazing ways to have that neuroception and say, that wasn't safety. So yeah. that we can learn from that and say, don't do that again. <laughs> but when yes. there's abuse and it says, but you can't trust yourself, then you're just like, oh, I know I feel disgusting and hurt, but you know what? I got to die to myself or I got to trust them over my, my, my flesh. And mm -hmm. it's so not what God has intended for Christianity to be. Mm -hmm. And, but it's been used so manipulatively. He, God has, wants us to trust our body. He's created us to learn from our body. And when there's abuse happens, manipulation happens, we are taught not to do that. And um, mm -hmm. so I think that just your story just shows so clearly the opposite of God's heart, because he shows us in his word what his heart is. And I mean, mm -hmm. I can resonate with everything you're saying. I'm like, yep, been there, done that. Yeah, me that. too. Yeah. I think really common experiences. So I'm really glad you shared those details. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. And I think too, it can be so challenging because when you're in those moments, I mean, sometimes we, we haven't learned, I mean, in most cases you're learning something first for the first time. Right. <laughs> and so in that moment, you know, I was maybe naive to the fact of what I would feel afterwards, the aftermath of it. You know, I was told after this, you're going to feel freedom and joy, and it's going to be awesome. But then afterwards I didn't. And so then I questioned, okay, well then what's wrong with me? Like, exactly. do I have some extra stuff going on here? Like, is this yep. real? And, and it's like, when we can walk into those moments, maybe even having more knowledge or basis on like what the actual goal is and what yeah. our, what the plan is, yeah. um, then we can guard our hearts a little bit better yes. <laughs> and we can understand these things a little bit better too. And so, yeah, I know for me, when that first had happened to me, I think I was just really naive. I didn't know any better. And so I just shared because that was the thing to do. Yep. Um, and I think one of the biggest lessons, I think if I had to culminate all of, you know, these three stories, especially that I just shared, um, obviously this is even before we get into the questions, but if I had to culminate it, it's just recognizing that I have the right to say no, and mm. I have the right to take care of myself yeah. at the end of the day, no matter who's asking me to do what or when or how or why I have permission to say no is the yeah. bottom Ooh. line, even in the church yes. <laughs> bottom line. Such yeah. a good word. <laughs> and I, I think that yeah. I love what you just said about like, we're naive. We only learn. We, we don't know what we don't know until we know it. 
And yeah. so as we're, for the people who are listening, we're not bringing judgment or condemnation. Mm -hmm. If you've made a mistake, I only have looked like you, like you said, same with me. I've only learned what not to do from doing the things that were harmful to me. And then looking yeah. back on it and saying, Ooh, I, that didn't feel right. Oh, mm -hmm. I have permission to do something different. Mm -hmm. And so yes. whether you've made those mistakes, we're giving you an invitation that you don't have to do that again. And on the flip side, if you made those mistakes as being the, the harmful one, where you pressured or, mm. or manipulated or coerced people, yes. where you tried to persuade people to growth, where you didn't listen to their story, where you didn't hold space for their pain, where you tried to force people into this robotic way of living ethically, like that is not the heart of Jesus. No. And we've all been part, part of systems like that and, and acted yeah. like that in certain situations that um, we can bring awareness to and realize, oh, wow, this isn't there's reasons why we do this and this isn't, this isn't loving to people and there's a better way. And there's somebody just shared with us recently, like using the Lord's name in vain is not saying his name when you don't mean it or whatever. It's, it's not necessarily, not necessarily that, that. it's on top or an, in addition, Yeah, it's putting God's name in front of something that he doesn't really represent. So mm -hmm. like saying, hmm. you need to confess to me. And that's what the Bible, that's what God's heart is like, no, that's using the Lord's name in vain. You want that. Mm, wow. God never says that. And so you're using his name in vain to abuse somebody. And so mm. even understanding more of our motivation of using God's name, why are we using it? Why are we saying that he's in front of, he's for this. Mm -hmm. And we need to use yes. that a lot more carefully saying God's for this, make sure that he's really for it. Mm -hmm. Cause, mm -hmm. uh, he takes that very offensively and mm -hmm. also why he says leaders and teachers are held more accountable mm -hmm. because mm. when you abuse the power you abuse his name he's not he's not all about that <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. yeah i'm curious um what you think we've talked about this a little bit you've shared but what do you think are some of the barriers to people realizing that certain behaviors they're seeing in organizations, businesses, churches, you know, whatever community they're a part of are abusive. What stops them from seeing that with clarity? Yeah. So I think um, just to tie even Luke, your statement just a minute ago to this question. Now, I think lack of communication around topics, uh, both within the ministry setting, but also just generally is a really big barrier. Um, you know, I think even in referring to your comment, I think of these people who, who maybe were um, the ones who maybe did the, the sessions wrong or did whatever wrong, you know, we see things in patterns. And so they might not even know better. They sure. might not know because they might not have even been trained. Hey, this isn't okay. They may yep. have been trained. This is how you do it. This is, yep. this is how you conquer, you know? And so just even like, throwing out just even some grace to that. Like for those who have been in those situations where you're like, oh shoot, I'm listening to this and I'm recognizing that actually hurts somebody else. Now there's like this thing where it's like, okay, I can be mindful of that in the future, you know? Oh. But anyway, so yeah, I think lack of communication around topics is huge. I think another aspect of that is sometimes 
we may hold the church so high in our perspective that it almost feels infallible. And so even when we do see those issues, it might not feel like there is really a place to address those problems or um, that if we do address those problems that will almost like deface God. Yeah. <laughs> like if you talk badly about the church, that means that people won't want God. And right. it's, it's, it's yeah. like a hard cycle and a hard pattern, but in reality, when we talk about these, we can bring healing to people, but also we can set a new standard as a chain reaction because the topics aren't discussed as much. There's a lack of knowledge on how to approach it and recognize mm. it. So yes. I think that's one of the really big ones is just communication, which is why I'm so thankful that you guys are creating a place for this conversation to even happen. I know that one of your previous podcasts, one of the first ones that you talked about spiritual abuse with became a very, it, it was a beacon of light in my grief. I listened to it and I was like, oh my goodness, there's somebody else who went through something similar and has found similar healing steps. Like for me, um, I believe it was Mary who had shared yeah. on one of the previous uh, podcasts, but she had shared how actually not being in the church is what helped her find healing. Mm. And that, that was one of the key things that helped me find healing. Like way at the beginning was mm -hmm. recognizing I don't have to, from one perspective, like church rebound yes. <laughs> into another church relationship, another church family, just to find healing. Mm. I can find that in Jesus. And so I think for some getting into community afterwards is good and healthy, but then for some it's not, and it's all based on the person, you know, everybody yeah. heals differently. So yeah. Anyway, when you guys created that space for her to talk about it, it brought just a chain reaction of healing to me. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Thank you. Yeah. So then an, another thing I think sometimes that can be a barrier to realizing uh, those behaviors, uh, I think sometimes ourselves, honestly, just questioning if we're wrong about the mistreatment or the abuse, um, or even belittling our experience. Mm -hmm. I know even just preparing for the podcast and getting around that was, I had that big lie in my head that I had to just put to the side, like, no, my story is real. And I get to talk about it. I get to have a place to speak and share my story. So yeah, I think sometimes that can be a barrier, just confusion about what is mistreatment, what is abusive, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because like I said, it's not really talked about that much. Yeah, another point, uh, if someone hasn't been exposed to a healthier environment, there might not be a comparison <laughs> of oh. what is healthy. And yes. so, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, but like if we're raised up in dysfunction, we might not recognize dysfunction in our setting. So if we're raised up in a dysfunctional church, it's not always easy to spot the dysfunction if we are used to dysfunction or if it is made to be normal in a specific setting. You know, mm. sometimes we may even find safety in the dysfunction because it was where we initially found home and where we found community and family. You know, there are aspects that are good maybe in the setting that you're in. And so how can it actually be mistreatment or abusive if there's actually good here too? Right, right. You know, how can you have both? So I think that that can also be a barrier. And uh, my last one here is just that I think that there are sometimes situations where something can start as being okay, but then it can morph into not being okay. Mm. And this was one that was like really, really big for me is just recognizing, I'll just use a basic scenario. So like serving in church can be good, 
But in scenarios where you need a break and you know that you need a break and it really needs to be taken, you know, if, if you then are taking that break, there shouldn't be any shame around that. You know, there shouldn't be any pressure of, well, no, you need to serve because your family's visiting. So they want to see you serve or no, you need to be serving because, you know, the Bible says to serve the Lord with all your heart. And like, there's, you know, there's these different, these phrases and these one-liners that I think sometimes we get into the pattern of both saying, but also hearing Yeah, that we just say, yeah, this is okay. You know, this is normal, but in reality, uh, we're just kind of circulating dysfunction. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So I think those, those were like the, the big ones for me that mm. I feel like are barriers. Those are so good. And like, even on that last one, like we see Jesus taking breaks. We see the yeah. disciples saying, Hey, Jesus, we need to serve. You need to, there's people here to serve him. He's like, Nope, I need a break. It's time for me to move on. Yeah. Time for me to go uh, by myself like, why there's, there's opportunities. Like I need a break. Like what great boundaries that he gives us. And we forget those parts. We see him we use the parts of him ministering and we forget the parts where he takes breaks. I mean, even we, let me say like, but we need to take a Sabbath. God took a Sabbath on the seventh day after. So if it's on the sixth day, then it's not a Sabbath. Or he only took, he only took one day. He didn't take a week. You don't you, get a week. Off. You're so lazy. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, but the heart of it is breaks and nobody else's can decide what is a break for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So going back to real quick to what you were saying about trusting your body because we do struggle with that so much and it's so real. But as I'm learning more about how our bodies work, there's different memories that we have, like implicit and explicit. Explicit memory is when we have a memory, we have a reason and understanding of why we experience what we experience and feel the way we feel. But then there's implicit memory where we don't have a language and it's a different part of our body and brain that's experiencing it. And it's not connected to our language part of our brain. So it's just an experiential knowing knowing and again like i said earlier we are taught not to trust our bodies so if we don't have an explicit memory mm-hmm. then we just say well i must be reading into things i don't have i must be crazy it must be something wrong with me i might, must be reading into it and but really what's happening is it's an implicit experience and our body is yeah. experiencing our nervous our neuroception is experiencing something that says this is off this isn't safe this isn't right but we don't know yet an explanation or an understanding of that, but that is just as reliable and real as an explicit, explicit memory. So I just want to say that is like the truth that you're speaking is truth is also followed up by science and the way that mm-hmm. our bodies work. And so we need mm-hmm. to learn to give more trust into that feeling of something just isn't right and, and explore it and validate that. Yeah. And once we know, like you said, this is my story and it matters. And I can, I can a believe it's true that it was hard, that it was mistreatment. And then I can be share it for others. Like, I think that we have to often do that many times where we remember what has been shown to us. Mm -hmm. And I love that the new Testament actually talks about remembering over and Mm -hmm. over and over. And Mm -hmm. yes, it's, it's theological principles, but it's also just truth. There's big T truth and little T truth and all truth matters. And so the truth of our story 
we oftentimes, because of how much gaslighting happens in situations that are imbalanced power, we have to remind ourselves, oh, right. I remember what I've been shown about this, what I have realized, and it is real. And to just rest in that, because the voices in our mind that want to dismiss it, shame it, scorn, laugh at it are so real. And that is all a mm-hmm. part of, of unhealthy systems, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so glad you're saying you're, you're vulnerably saying like, this is even hard for me to, even though I know it's hard for me to, to know mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, I, mean, relate I think to that. even, even after, you know, however long of healing, I feel like that's something that, you know, healing isn't just a one and done thing. And I feel like this is one of those areas that is super ongoing. Yes. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that even if your grief heals in, you know, more than it did three months ago mm-hmm. or whatever, I don't even know. How do you measure healing of grief? I don't right. know, but, mm-hmm. um, but in reality, like that's one of those things that I think for me at least has continued to come back is just questioning again and again, yeah. is this real? Is this really what I went through? If I say this, am I going to hurt more people than I help? Mm-hmm. You know, like all of those things. And so yeah. it's a pattern of just remember, remembering, as you said, just, mm-hmm. okay, number one, I'm a child of God. So no matter what, I'm good. Like yeah. literally yeah. just period the end there, you know? <laughs> um, but then further than that, recognizing that me questioning these things is okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I get to that a little bit later, but um, just recognizing that the whole process is okay. It's mm-hmm. totally fine. And there's room for that. And, you know, certain settings or certain places might not feel comfortable making room for that, yeah. but God does. Mm. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Preach it. Yes. He's so comfortable. <laughs> he can handle it. Wow. Yes. Do you mind sharing more? Um, this has been talked about a little bit. Actually, I don't think we have uh, just the idea of what healing the actual journey has looked like for you, what's been helpful for you and what's what's been life-giving and healing and what's not really been helpful. Yeah. So one of the things we did kind of already touch on was just realizing that I don't have to hide my experience just because it had to do with the church. As I mentioned, it's truly my story and there is a way to love the bride as a whole and still share what was hard in the church setting. It's both, you Mm -hmm. know? And if done correctly, sharing is actually loving the bride. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a part of me that was always afraid that if I shared even pieces of my story, like I mentioned, I didn't want to hurt the church. I didn't want to hurt God. I almost wanted to like cover up the things that had happened because if I cover up, then it won't hurt more people or won't draw them away from the church or away from God. But is it really better to sweep it under the rug and not talk about it than to recognize the areas where there is brokenness and then just confront it? Like, you know, yep. some, I think some of the people that are around us who either had a bad church experience or maybe even no longer believe in God because of their experience yep. or maybe because of a loss, you know, whatever it is, you know, I wonder sometimes if it may have been different had we talked about it in the church and recognized that the church does sometimes cause hurt you know, and at the end of the day, when I say the church too, I just want to specify, I'm not even saying all of the church. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, you know, hurt comes from specific people in the church or Mm -hmm. specific 
you know, ministries, but just because one, one church per se hurt you doesn't mean that they're all the same. So I just want to add that in there, but, and that's had to be part of, of my healing a little bit too, is just recognizing even when I'm healing. And even as I start talking about this, just being mindful that I want to build up the bride. And so I can share the hurt and the trauma while also building up the bride. It's just, yeah, yeah it's all one big package. And you know, I, um, I, I didn't yeah. want to jump in again, but I think this is just so crucial to what you're saying. Like <clears throat> people who talk about church hurt, like, like we do, it's not like we believe that church is found, that hurt is found only in the church. Like right. there's hurt in every system, in every community, in every faith community. It's not just Christianity. This is the pervasive condition of the human. Like this is what we do. We, we hurt each other. This shouldn't be surprising to any of us with what we believe about the condition of the human heart, that we are prone to whatever we want to call it, brokenness, dysfunction, sin. There's many different ways to look at it, different perspectives, but people who bring about a light and shine it on church hurt and church uh, spiritual abuse, it's not because we think it's only found there. We know it's found everywhere, but our heart and love is to help restore and bring, bring new life and healing to places where where there may be less comfortable talking about it because the church, like you said, is put on this pedestal of, well, no, it's infallible. Oh no, wait, wait, wait. That's God. <laughs> that was never, ever <laughs> called. The church was never told that's who they were, that they were without problems. Mm-hmm. And, and calling them to a higher standard, like, because it's a representation of, of God. Right. It's that much more harmful. Yeah. And so when we call, when we confront a problem, it's not you're bad. It's we, we, we can do better. Mm-hmm. We should be doing mm-hmm. better and we should be loving people better. We should be caring for people better. So it's not shame on you. It's uh, in counseling. We, we use a thing called the Shahari's window and it has four squares. It's like one area where, where I know, and others know a place where I don't know. And others know a place where I know, but nobody else knows and a place where nobody knows. So like the church, there's places where the church knows like, we're not, we're not really good, but let's not tell the world this. And the world's like, mm. Hey church, you're really messed up here. And the church's like, where? <laughs> right. And then there's places where like, nobody understands that there's damage. And there's yeah. places where everybody sees it. Yeah. That's damage. What we're doing is saying, Hey church, the place where you don't see that there's damage and the world does, Hey, they see that. So let's, let's work on this. Yeah. And then there's places yeah. where no one sees it. And it's like, let's work on that too. So that we can become a safer, more loving place, not, not pretending like that t- place doesn't exist. Doesn't stop the hurt. No, nope. doesn't change the world. The world's not going to look at the church and like, Oh, I don't see it anymore. <laughs> I know you were really abusive, but now it's gone. It's like, no, they still see it. And so let's work on it. So mm-hmm. we can love people better. Make safe spaces, make safe spaces. So that was actually one of my next points is just when we don't look closely at the patterns that are hurting people, instead of discipling people, we are willingly perpetuating a cycle of pain regarding the word church, instead of establishing a home of safety and healing. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Yeah. And just like recognizing number one, God isn't mad when we question the church system. He isn't mad when we question the leadership choices or actions that ultimately hurt us. He isn't even mad when we question him. Mm. The 
truth is, is that the church isn't void of brokenness, which is what you guys were saying. And yeah, just recognizing that, like, even when we look at God in this whole situation, when we zoom into him, so even when God isn't the true cause of our hurts, because sometimes, sometimes God becomes, if I could say almost a trigger point, like when we say I was hurt by the church, we think God hurt me. Oh yeah. You know, but like, so sometimes God ends up becoming the catch-all for our pain. Mm -hmm. And so, but even when God isn't the true cause of our hurts, he doesn't deflect or get defensive when we take it all out on him. He hears us and he creates space for our pain. He holds us and he's not afraid of the deep emotions. And he just keeps repeating to us how much he loves us. So even in the posture of our pain, in the circumstance of the hurt, he's there taking it, taking the punch Mm. and saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Though he didn't create the pain sometimes in our grief, it can be easy to blame him for the pain. And so what does he do? He eliminates any shame around our blame. Yes. Mm. Wow. That's powerful and true. It's been wrecking me. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just if I can jump into a couple more points on that question, um, Mm -hmm. absolutely regarding my journey of healing and what that's looked like. So I know, especially at the beginning of my grief, when the grief really hit and, and I realized, oh, I'm, I'm feeling pain right now. Oh, I'm wanting to numb these emotions right now. There's, there's a reason to, to feel this. So just remembering my role that I played in the bigger picture was very healing for me you know, cause when everything stopped, I mean, as, as mentioned in my bio, you know, I was doing worship leading and I had experience in youth ministry and I was involved. I was like fully in it. And so when everything kind of paused and this halt happened and there's, you know, this hurt happened, there was the pause moment of me trying to recollect who I was. <laughs> Literally. I feel like I had uh, kind of a mini identity crisis, yeah. just trying to come to terms and come, come to grips with, okay, these things all need to be at a pause for right now. And I don't know what it's going to look like moving forward. However, I know that the role that I play in the bigger picture is that I'm a child of God. And I know that the role that I play in the bigger picture is that I love worshiping, whether people are in the, in the congregation or not. You know, I know that I love writing, even if people aren't reading it. So I'm going to do these things. I'm going to explore these things. And so it was just this revelation moment of recognizing that what made me, me wasn't the church and only the church. Mm. That was an aspect of what I did, but it wasn't who I was. Mm. Uh, I just found a lot of healing and rediscovering and the word you used earlier, again, just remembering who I was just Mm. as his child. Sometimes it meant coloring. Sometimes it was taking naps. Sometimes it was crying or laughing, laughing or whatever it was in that moment. I created space for it. And it was just taking intentional time to just be present and remember that even in that place, the place of just me and the father, I was enough. I didn't have to be leading worship or serving in whatever capacity to have purpose. Just being present, I had purpose. Mm. That's so good again. Oh, such hard truths. It's so healing. It's so healing. Mm -hmm. uh, Everything you just said. There's a book I read last year, uh, Try Softer by Andy Kolber. Yes. <laughs> Healing resource, like yes. one-on-one. Right there. Yes. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and it's so, it's all about try softer. And everything you're just saying is like, I'm hurting, but that's okay. I'm struggling, but that's okay. I should be doing, but I can't. I, I need a nap and I'm going to. And this that trying softer and just relearning who am I? What do I need? Mm -hmm. What are my passions? And I'm just going to lean into them. Yeah. It's just, what a beautiful picture of trying software and healing and grieving. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I'm so thankful. I'm so glad you're learning what that looks like for you and giving yourself those, those glimmers of joy and peace and, and receiving that, being able to receive that too, because grief and trauma closes us up, closes us up. And I've had this, mm -hmm. this image that I've received personally of just like, those things made me like a very closed up flower. Like the flower was tight and the bud was tight and there was nothing going in. Um, mm -hmm. But as I've been healing and being restored in those really painful areas, the, the leaves have started to slowly open. And whereas before the elements around me were dangerous and harmful, now I can receive the breeze and the rain and the sun and the beauty of the environment that's uh, safer. And I'm able to like, as a person receive, and that's such a mm -hmm. gift of healing, but it also is necessary to heal. It's like, you know what, you have to be able to receive goodness and beauty and joy to heal. Yes. But also when you're in that very hard, traumatized grief ridden place, it's hard to receive. So I see you saying like, as you've slowly attuned to your body, you've been able to bring in more and more of that goodness. And that in and of itself has been healing for you. And that's makes me so happy for so, you. So happy. <laughs> Thank mm. you. Yeah. You again, touched on uh, another point. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even um, talk about, I didn't even know what you were sharing. We're just like in sync, Abby. <laughs> I know it's incredible. Yeah. So just like part of what I guess has been life-giving in my healing process. Uh, one of those things is allowing moments of joy. Uh, sometimes joy feels inappropriate during grief. Uh, but when we realize that it's possible to hold both grief and joy in the same heart, we find that joy can actually become the fuel that helps us find healing. Mm. And so, yeah, the joyful moments, it's so interesting. Recently, I was looking through some photos and videos on my phone, just of times captured throughout my grief period. And it was very emotional and beautiful just to find the places where I was smiling and laughing mm -hmm. and moments that, you know, were at maybe the peak of my grief. And yet there they were, the smile showed up, wow. the joy showed up. And so it was just kind of like this eye-opening moment to me, just how joy, even if we're not trying to manufacture it creeps in, mm. it makes itself known because joy, the, <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we're praying for strength, if we're just trying to like find something to help us be better, like, I don't know. I just think sometimes it creeps in, in the little ways, you know, wow. it's in the swinging on the swing and laughing. It's, it's the yeah. things that we don't expect to encounter in our grief that we step into and yeah, it becomes the fuel. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So anything else that you um, that has been life-giving for you or things that haven't helped either 
Yeah. So just a couple more on both. This is one that I think kind of took a while to come to grips with and even be okay with. (laughs) Recognizing that the bride that I felt called to before looks very different than the bride that I feel called to now. And that's okay. Um, And I think what I mean from that is you know, before the bride looked like one thing for me, I was serving in a capacity where it was very clear what the bride looked like. And now I'm in a capacity where, you know, like, um, at the peak of my grief, one of the things that I really felt like the Lord laid on my heart is the bride has been hurt. She's hurting and I want her back. And so that for me kind of reset my mission and adjusted my focus to which bride members I was going to be focusing on in this next season. Yeah. And yeah. So just recognizing that it's okay to have a shift of focus on what bride, because all the bride needs to love Jesus and they need Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know? And so just recognizing that it's okay if our role changes and kind of the image that I got that I think helped with, uh, I guess it was life-giving for me. I kind of pictured it as if I was a ball of yarn who had been neatly spun together kind of perfectly. So I guess, and then, you know, during my healing, there was an unraveling that happened. And so everything that I knew, everything that was set, everything that made sense to me was all of a sudden, not, it was all of a sudden, um, just a bunch of string on the floor. And so healing is both the combination of the unraveling, but also the beauty of the building. There's Mm -hmm. now another side of healing that I get to walk into that is a new beginning. It's the, the, you know, the rose rising from the ashes. It's the, the testimony for the grief, you know, like we don't go through grief just to go through grief. I mean, if we can really, really like just allow it to happen, there's a beauty in the testimony of the grief, which I think yeah, comes in many different ways. And so mm-hmm. now it's a moment of, okay, Lord, are we making a sweater? Are we making a sock? Are we making, you know, whatever that ball of yarn that looked like one thing now has a whole world of opportunity to create and build something new. So yeah, just along with that, even if my tribe expands or changes it, like it's okay. And then just the last thing in that specific group, just Remembering that forgiveness is ongoing. It is a choice in the moment. Yes, I will forgive them, but it's also a process all in one. So it can be, yes, I forgive them now. And in a minute, yes, I forgive them now. And in two minutes, yes, I forgive them now. You know, like I think sometimes we uh, try to box in what forgiveness should look like. And so because of that, we kind of hurt ourselves in the process because we beat ourselves up for not forgiving. You know, we already forgave. Why am I angry again? Mm -hmm. But in reality, forgiveness is a process. Uh, I saw this quote on Instagram the other day. I don't know who it is. Anonymous person. I thought it was great, but it said, remember to extend grace because we're all just walking each other home. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really beautiful. Just, you know, we're all in this process of grief and joy and healing and all of it you know, and we're, we're walking each other home. So that's the stuff that has been helpful. I think when it comes to what hasn't been helpful, I'll just list a couple of key things. I I believe we already talked about this, but just recognizing that, you know, sometimes even the things that were good before in the church or in ministry or whatever, 
might not feel as good now. And that's also okay. So for example, maybe even though worship wasn't something that hurt you, maybe you always were listening to worship in a season where you were hurt. And so all of a sudden listening to worship is now something that causes you pain. So all of a sudden something that was good and is good Mm -hmm. is now something that even though it seems unrelated is now actually painful and triggering. And so um, just recognizing that we don't need a reason uh, in that very moment to prove which you, you guys talked about to prove the source or the validity of our pain to others. We just get to feel it and we get to be present in it. And I think when I, the reason I put it under why has it not been helpful is because, you know, you want worship to help you. (laughs) You want the things that were good to help you now, but sometimes they're not. And so sometimes you just have to pause on that for a little Mm -hmm. bit and then you can go back to it later. Um, But that's why I put it under there. Other than that, I think just, you know, pre-existing patterns or belief systems or pressures, um, mindsets that my process is too overwhelming or too unique, it shouldn't be happening, uh, memories of the moments, pushing myself to meet the same goals that I did before. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I was able to accomplish A and B before, and I can only accomplish A, yeah. saying that's okay. And then blaming myself for not being as active in society, not wanting to see people that would remind me of the hurt, even if they had no part to play in it, but then feeling the guilt of that also. So those have been things that have not been helpful in my Mm. process. So good. So helpful to hear those and be reminded of those things, give ourselves grace when we're experiencing them, but also be aware of them. Yeah. Your awareness is such a gift. Yes. And I know it's been hard fought for and it's not been like just, oh, it's all come to you in a download. But like, yeah. that's, I think a lot of people wouldn't recognize why am I feeling this angst when I'm at this location or with these people or hearing this music or watching this because they, they're not connecting that the association. And this is mm-hmm. all brain science, but it doesn't really matter. It's just what's true. It's what you feel that association is real. And it, it can further perpetuate those feelings of harm. And it's just not necessary. Like we're able to take breaks in any part of being human forever. Like that's our, that's our right. I mean, besides like, I guess, basic sustenance to survive, but beyond that, like we're allowed, we have the freedom to, to be like right now, this isn't helpful and I'm going to pause and I may return Mm -hmm. in a year. I may return in 10 years to this thing. And that's the freedom to do that actually facilitates healing. Yes. Because when we feel pressured and forced and obligated, that's coming from a place of hypervigilance. Yes. The place in our brain that is in that performative place, which is just Mm -hmm. not helpful to humans. So yeah. So so yeah, that's a place I had to like super break out of in this process of healing. It was that exact place because I wanted the approval of my leaders. I wanted the approval of, you know, the people who had seen me grow up in ministry. And so I had, you know, I was a PK, like there were eyes on me. So there's pressure just from that, whether we want to admit it or not, there is. And so, you know, there's like a lot of a pattern of, I think, undue pressure as you're talking Mm -hmm. about. And so that was some of my healing is being able to recognize when I was in that state, which is more often than I like to admit even now, (laughs) um, 
honestly. Yeah. But, uh, and I think that's where try softer actually was very helpful for me. Um, just recognizing that that was a thing and that some of the, the things that I was, was feeling was connected to that. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're going to wrap this up. This has been so rich and meaningful. Last question that we have are some examples that maybe you can share with our audience of healthy boundaries in a church setting. Yeah, I just think that could be really valuable for people. Yeah, I will make these ones super quick. Number one, we kind of already covered it, but saying no to serving when you need a break you know, serve only when you have capacity for it and rest when you don't, you're not a bad Christian for saying no to serving. Also, you don't have to just say yes to every leader or authority figure that asks you to do something. There's that balance between being respectful and honoring of the authority and also saying yes to everything that is requested. Like I said earlier, you can do both. You can be respectful and also recognize when you need to do more for you in order to be obedient for God. And then just the final point is just saying no to someone. Again, if you aren't comfortable with sharing, uh, even if it's sharing your testimony, I know that we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. I know that, but you don't have to do it every time in every situation. So yeah, just being comfortable saying no. And, you know, even with sharing struggles or insecurities or failures, Uh, timing is everything and you can pick your people, you can pick, Mm -hmm. uh, your safe zones and, and it might change over time. And some seasons, you know, safe person, number one might still be safe, but they might not be your safe person for that season. You know, it it changes and you kind of adapt with it, but that's what I've got. That's what I have Uh, (laughs) just from my, from my, learning boundaries. That was another big aspect of healing was learning boundaries. Yeah. Well, just that, that thing you said about halfway through the beginning of my healing journey was the first time I said, no, I was just like, Mike drop. Yes, it was. (laughs) And so many of us can say the same. It is so powerful. And it's a way to actually not just love yourself, but to love others because we function best when we are authentic to who we are and what we need. And then we can all be meeting needs in a really healthy, beautiful way versus this manipulative course. It's just not pretty. Like it's not, it's not pretty. And there's, there's, I love that you painted a picture of, of a, um, what it can look like to not be quite aligned with God's heart for people, how to recognize it how to move out of those spaces and deal with the immense waves of grief that come from losing your identity for all intents and purposes. And then to start as the yarn unravels and unravels and unravels and you re-examine everything you know and believed, and then you start rebuilding this beautiful masterpiece. Like you just kind of brought us through this timeline of what it looks like. (laughs) And I think it's so hope filled and not without immense pain and wrestling, but filled with, with the goodness of becoming fully alive. Like the glory of God is man fully alive. And we Mm -hmm. deeply believe that and seeing you, um, I'm sure you were great before. I'm sure you were wonderful, (laughs) but walking through this process has made you more Abby and what you're, who you are as you navigate this world, um, loving others and loving God. Well, 
you're more, you're more of that now. And you can hold space for people in a way that you just probably couldn't have quite done before you've experienced this depth of, yeah. of loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we applaud the work you've been doing, the journey you've been on and how tender God has been with your heart and with your, with you. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that with us yeah. and our listeners and you're giving us your time and we're just verbalizing your story because your story matters and you are sharing it and other people's stories matter and you're giving them permission yeah. to allow their story to matter. Yep. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Hope you guys li enjoyed listening to this episode and are able to take away some wonderful gems and continue your healing as you need to and try softer, be good to yourself, become more of who you are intended to be. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.